0: Welcome to the Positive Sip stories about life, leadership, and Mississippi. I'm your host, Dr. Regina Hyatt. And in this episode, you're going to hear a very special Mississippi story and my reflections on leadership. So let's begin. I am delighted. To so have a wonderful colleague and friend here today on the Positive SIP, Mr. Sid Salter. Sid, welcome. Thank you. You have a generations long Mississippi story. And I'd love if you would tell us about your family ties to Mississippi and of course what brought you back to Startville at this point in your life and career.
1: Well, My parents are both alums of Mississippi State. My dad was a student here in the late 1930s. He worked his way through school, sweeping the floors in Lee Hall and on South Farm, tending stock. And then later, after the war, my mother and father came here for their graduate degrees. And so both parents, both of my siblings, my sisters a twin and an older sister there were 24 of us my mom's family and 10 grandchildren on my dad's side the preponderance of all my family are bulldogs and we had a few outliers but
0: <laughs> we don't talk about them though no, right
1: no love them but don't talk about them. <laughs> uh, but yeah so we we have a long relationship one of my favorite stories when my dad was a student he uh ended up in the infirmary in in George Hall, and the only time that his father, who had about a third grade education and was a lifelong farmer and horseman, the only time he ever set foot on the campus, he came to see about my dad because he had pneumonia and was afraid that he might not Make it, and so word got to the president, who at that point was Duke Humphrey of Humphrey Coliseum fame. Word got to the president that the the kid with pneumonia's father was here, and so he came over. and my My grandfather was not duly impressed with <laughs> with the, <laughs> with, the impre- with the president, and uh, basically said something to the team of you know you ought to do a better job taking care of these kids, and so. <laughs> I kind of hear my grandfather's words a lot at work. They do a good job taking care of these kids. We love as a family. We love Mississippi State and what it has meant to the people of uh, Mississippi. My father was a vocational agriculture teacher in his early life, and he left, went into the teaching profession. Life intervened in the form of World War II. He went into the Army. And while he was overseas, he got a a Dear Leo letter from the woman he was dating. And my mother was that woman's roommate and she felt sorry for my dad.
0: Oh my goodness. She
1: started writing him and they corresponded until 1946 when he was discharged from service and they connected, they married, they had 43 wonderful years together, three children And Mississippi State was a constant in our lives. My twin and I came here in 1977, and those memories, my twin died in her mid-40s of a brain tumor. As I look around campus almost every day, I see points that I was with Sheila, and those are great memories.
0: Yeah, makes it special for sure. Sid, you have had a very unique view of Mississippi State in your your former life as a reporter. And then you actually wrote the biography of Jack Crystal, who, of course, was known for many years as the voice of the MSU Bulldogs. And in a state like Mississippi, you know sports are sports are the thing you know from little bitty kids all the way up through college i think that happens when you don't have professional teams in your state the the college teams at least seem to play a very important role what are your reflections on why sports are so important here in mississippi and what is your most memorable experience as an msu sports fan over your lifetime
1: well you know my, my dad started out as a vocational ag teacher, but he became a school administrator. And so I knew what sports meant to uh, Mississippi high school students in the days before the state schools were desegregated. And then I watched it evolve after. And, of course, as a young man just getting into journalism, I had an occasion to meet Willie Morris, who was, of course, a very celebrated author and former editor of Harper's Magazine from Yazoo City. Well, my mother had been a babysitter for him in Yazoo City when he was a kid. And so he was coming to Philadelphia, my hometown, to write a book about Marcus Dupree. And so we connected and... Of course Willie had a tremendous influence on my life and work and I've been fortunate to have friendships with several prominent writers that didn't rub off on me but did give me some insight into it and one of the things that I remember most both as a high school athlete and later as a writer you know I looked up one day in the and I realized that we were all drinking out of the same water bottle. We were all wiping sweat with the same towel, and we were all focused on the same objective to score a touchdown and beat our rivals, and we weren't doing it as five white boys and six black boys. We were doing it as Philadelphia Tornadoes. And so I think that feeling with a lot of athletes, young men, young women, but particularly the parents who were in the stands watching this. And they they saw their children getting along and their children sharing goals and aspirations and expending work ethic on noble pursuits. And I think the parents realized, along with the students, what could be. And so I think sports was probably responsible as much as anything else for the fact that the crucible of school integration in the Deep South went as well as it did. Not to say it was a panacea, but it went a lot better and it went a lot faster than most uh, had predicted. And so with the Willie Morris book, The Courting of Marcus Dupree, Dupree was the preeminent football recruit in the country at that time. Tremendous battle for his services and, you know, not just state Ole Miss and Southern, but UCLA, Texas, Oklahoma, Miami, all of the bigs competing for this young man's services. And the recruiting coaches came, but they also sent former players in Learjets with pretty girls on the planes and mysterious briefcases and uh, all this intrigue going on. And so sports has always had a tremendous influence, and that was in the days before name, image, and likeness and some of the challenges we face uh, now. And it made a real difference, and Mississippi still does.
0: Absolutely. Sid, you were there last year when Mississippi State brought home the national championship, and I wonder how that ranks up against some of your favorite memories of Mississippi State athletics.
1: As a student, I got a chance to be there when we beat the Bear. The 6-3 win over Alabama in in Jackson. Because I was a student reporter, I was in the locker room when Bear Bryant came in to congratulate the team. That is a lifetime memory, but nothing compares, not Dak's run, not being number one in the country in football in the first poll of the new system, not the Orange Bowl, not any of our basketball success, including the Final Four. Nothing compares, in my mind, to the feeling of seeing Mississippi State Last man standing for a national championship, not a not a not a contested national championship, but an NCAA for sure, for real national championship. And uh, you know, I still have to kind of pinch myself to remember that I lived to see it. And of course, like most greedy Mississippi State fans, I want to see it again.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, one is never enough, That's right? right. That's right. Uh, like Lay's potato chips, uh, one championship, we got to have more. Sid, what keeps you encouraged and motivated in your life and your career? You're someone that, you know, a lot of people have, you have mentored so many. What keeps you going?
1: Well, I've got nine grandchildren, and one will be a freshman in the fall, and then the youngest is about eight months now. And so I have the same curiosity that I have had all of my life. I want to see how the story ends. And so, you know, I don't delude myself that I'm going to be with these children until most of the stories of their lives are written, but I want to see as much as I can. So that keeps me uh, motivated sort of personally. Professionally, uh, I know what a difference Mississippi State made in my life, in the lives of my parents and my relatives, and I like being a part of the effort to extend that change and that inspiration to new generations of of Mississippians. And, you know, because of my previous life, there is no state in the union that needs the influence of a research university, a land-grant research university more than the people of Mississippi need Mississippi State. And you know that may sound uh, cheesy and overwrought but it's how I feel every day.
0: Absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. Sid you have a favorite quote. I know you do. You have several. So what is the mantra of the day? What is the the quote that resonates for you right now?
1: If you go back to 1978 to the first column that I wrote It was a quote from a book on higher education called Blind Man on a Freeway by William Moore Jr. And the quote is, when you're up to your backside in (laughs) alligators, it's hard to remember your objective is to drain the swamp. And, uh, of course, that's been kind of part of my... MO all of my professional life, certainly never more than in this job. But as you know, I went through cancer in uh, in 2017, and prayers, help, support from many others, including you, got through it. There is a quote, and I I certainly hadn't committed it to memory, but I did bring a copy of it so I could share it with you. One of my favorite writers is James Lee Burke, who does uh, Mysteries, uh, usually set in South Louisiana or in Montana, has two or three recurring characters, but he's just a marvelous writer. And he said in one of his Robichaux series books, mortality is not kind and do not let anyone tell you it is. If there is such a thing as wisdom and I have serious doubts about its presence in my own life, It lies in the acceptance of the human condition and perhaps the knowledge that those who have passed on are still with us out there in the mist, showing us the way, sometimes uttering a word of caution from the shadows, sometimes visiting us in our sleep as bright as a candle burning inside a basement that has no window. I've read that over and over and over during cancer. And that and a Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir music clip on my phone got me through the, the worst of that. So it's very liberating to stare at one's mortality and to question, you know, whether today's the day because the rest of life is not quite as scary. And so my lesson Moving forward was live every day like it's the last one because it might be. And, you know, and this sounds strange, I I think stage four cancer was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because up until that point, I really believed that I was in charge and that I I was steering the bus. And that experience re-educated me to the fact that I'm just along for the ride like everybody else.
0: That's right. That's right. And to have those grandbabies and to have the people that you love in your life, to, to know that you want to spend as much time and energy with them, I know that's become more important to you after after cancer for sure. Mississippi is a special place. You talked about it already in terms of your family story. What makes this a unique and special place, different than you know. You've lived or visited lots of other places in your lifetime, and and your careers taken you to cities and countries and lots of places. So, what is it about Mississippi?
1: I, I think our our history is so bewildering and tortured. You know, I got into genealogy sort of late in life, but I traced my family back to the my Salter family, back to the 1650s on the Isle of Wight, the, the little island the Titanic passed on the way out of Southampton on its only voyage and couldn't go any farther back. But the, the first ancestor, Salter ancestor, was named Henry. He came to the Massachusetts Bay Colony, apparently was in uh, not in the aristocracy. He went from there to... Uh, Charlestown, uh, across the river from Boston, and children got baptized there. His three sons became indentured servants and began the journey over several generations on the Southern Migration Trail, but they they come south from Massachusetts to New Jersey to North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and as you and I have discussed several times to Burnt Corn, Alabama, which is also near Pineapple, Alabama. (laughs) and other, so creative yes, in the names yeah. uh, the thing that i think makes this state special the migration of people into this state settling wilderness my my saltter grandparents you know married as teenagers and were basically reclaiming 100 acres of old growth forest with a couple of mules and their own labor and the tremendous poverty in this state. My my mother's uh, father came out of Kemper County. He and his brother went to the Delta, bought some land. Were are going to change their lives and go from logging to farming and making big crops off of rich soil. That was in the winter of 1926, just before the great flood of 1927, which resulted in the next year one-fourth of all the land in Mississippi being foreclosed for taxes. And so You think back over this state, there's been some of the greatest natural disasters in the history of the United States. Uh, Hurricane Camille and Katrina, the flood of 27, all of these things that were natural disasters. And then the man-made disasters, the civil rights struggle, and decisions that were made about how we treated our fellow man that has blighted us for generations. And so it's a bewildering, tortured history, and out of that has come some of the greatest uh, artists, writers, musicians, immensely talented people who have demonstrated the ability to move people in ways that are profound. Uh, You think about Edora Welty, William Faulkner, others that have uh, moved that needle. I think what makes Mississippi special is our capacity for joy and talent and art and all of these things that have had to coexist with bad choices, violence, ignorance, poverty, all of these blights on the human condition. And out of that comes a very resilient, people who don't get too bogged down in the details and continue to get up every day and press forward. I'm glad to have been able to witness that in my own family, in my Mississippi State family as well. You know, Mississippi State didn't get to the position we are now without some heavy lifting. And and so I'm proud of Mississippi State family. I'm proud of this institution. And we've still got work to do. And so uh, I'm, I'm proud to get to be a part of that.
0: That's right. Sid, thank you for your time today and for your uh, words of wisdom that you shared here on the Positive Sip. I think your story and the story of, of folks here in the state who are continually striving to help make Mississippi a place that we can all live in and be proud of. And I, I just appreciate you very much. Thanks, Sid.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Sid Salter's sports story is much more than about sports. It's about life in Mississippi, his experiences as a writer, a reporter, an editor, and now the voice of Mississippi State to the public. Sid's life experiences have journeyed through the Civil Rights era to today and his perspective on how Mississippi sports Mississippi State University sports have influenced our community and our state were truly interesting to hear about. I loved his story as a student reporter as he witnessed Mississippi State beat Alabama 6 to 3, one of the all-time great memories of Mississippi State University athletics. And then of course to hear Sid's reflection on our baseball national championship last year. To be there at Omaha, I was there, and uh, as were. <laughs> 25,000 of our closest friends from Starkville, Mississippi, in Omaha. But to witness him and so many others who had been fans for so many years, to see the joy, the elation, the excitement, just overwhelming really in that moment to experience that momentous historic win was really something I promise I will never forget. And I know Sid won't either through Sid's eyes and his perspective about the role sports have played in Mississippi. This idea that sports allows people to focus on the same objective. And for the most part, that's winning the game or being the fastest or the strongest or whatever the athletic outcome is. And why that's so important here in Mississippi to be able to have a shared experience. Sid talked again about uh, Mississippi's capacity Capacity for joy, talent, and all of the art and creatives that we have in this state and how that coexists with our, our violent past and racism and poverty and health disparities. This is an example of the kind of resilience that you see here in Mississippi to be able to exist in both of those places simultaneously and how sports can often be a place of connection when we have such disparate experiences and outcomes here in our state. And I appreciate Sid's insight there about our continual striving to be a better place and to be a place where uh, Mississippians can come together, not just around sport, but also around these important issues as we consider how to make Mississippi a place for all of us. Thank you for joining us on The Positive Sip. We hope you'll be listening again for our next episode. The Positive Sip is produced and edited by Elizabeth Easterling, Carson Brantley, and Katie Corbin.